Hello and welcome to the Adventures of Paul Temple from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We present Peter Cook and Marjorie Westbury in Paul Temple and the Spencer Affair, a radio serial by Francis Durbridge. Episode 4, That Old Intuition. You've got to sing a particular song. I'll let you have a copy first thing tomorrow morning. Okay, okay. As soon as you made the record, I'll fly out to New York. Uh, will one morning this week suit you? I should prefer the afternoon. It's not so hot in the morning. Oh, I can understand that. Well, I'll say good night now, Pete. Oh, good night. Oh, by the way, Mr. Dreiser. Yes? The song I've got to sing. What is it called? It's called My Heart and Harry. My Heart and Harry? That's a new one on me. No, it's a big hit in America. That's why I picked it. I want my American associates to hear you sing it. It makes no difference to me. My heart and Harry, Annie Laurie, it's all the same to me. <laughs> all right. Good night, Pete. Good night. Well, what did the great impresario want? As if you don't know. I don't know. He just said he wanted to talk to you. Said he had a proposition. Well, he has. Why the chip on your shoulder the whole time? You're making more money now than you've ever made. If you behave yourself and play your cards right, you'll be a star. Who wants to be a star? Terry, Terry, be a good girl, leave me alone. Look, Pete, I don't like taking advice and I don't like giving it, but I'm going to give you some. Lay off the drink, because if you don't... Harry, take the lead out of your pants and bring another bottle of scotch. What happened? Did he send the song? Yes. I rehearsed for four days. And then I went out to a lousy recording studio at Putney. Why Putney? I should have thought there were plenty of studios in London. Look, why are you so interested in me? What do you want to know about all this for? I'm investigating the murder of Mary Dreisler. I think you might be able to help me. Me? How could I help you? can't even help myself. Look, Pete, we'll go downstairs in a minute and have a drink. But first, there are several things I want to know. 
When you went out to the recording studio, what happened exactly? What did you think happened? I sang the song and they recorded it. Did they play it back to you? No. Why not? I wasn't interested. The pubs were open and I wanted to get out of the crummy joint. What do they call this recording studio? Can you remember? Oh, yes. The Groove Recording Company. It's in a basement in the Upper Richmond Road. A young fellow runs it. In fact, he's the whole works. So you just made the record and left the studio? That's right. Did Dreisler get in touch with you again? Yes, he phoned me the next day and asked me how I got on. That was the last time I heard from him. Haven't heard a ruddy word since. Hmm. All right, Pete. Let's go downstairs. I'll buy you that drink. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Could you tell me whether Mr. Dreisler is in the hotel? I believe he is, sir. I'll ring his room. What name shall I say? Temple. Thank you, Mr. Temple. Oh, excuse me. I'll be back in a moment. Yes, all right, sir. Frost. Oh, hello, Temple. I thought I recognized you coming out of the lift. Yes, I've just been to see a friend of mine. I'm rather glad I bumped into you, Frost. I was going to give you a ring, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Yes. I wanted to ask you if you'd ever met a man called... Pete Roberts. Pete Roberts? Mm. Yes, I have. He's a singer. <laughs> At least he is when he's sober. Where did you meet him? At the Bronze Heart. The Bronze Heart? Yes, the Bronze Heart. The pub in Stepney. Good Lord, no. I met him at the Stardust Club. Terry Gibson introduced us. Oh. What makes you think we met at the Bronze Heart? Roberts works there. Does he? He must have come down in the world. Yes, I'm afraid he has. Well, um, if you'd excuse me, Temple. Yes, of course. Oh, by the way, when you mentioned my diary the other night, I'm afraid I didn't understand what you were talking about. Now, I do. Do you? Yes. You'll be pleased to know I've um, taken the necessary steps. Good night. Good night. Mr. Dreisler is in his room, sir. Suite 29 on the first floor. Oh, thank you. Good evening. Oh, oh come in, Mr. Templer. Hi, this is a pleasant surprise. I was passing the hotel, so I thought I'd drop in, Mr. Dreisler. Yes, yes, of course, by, by all means. I'm delighted to see you. Um, uh, can I offer you a drink, uh, whiskey and soda? Uh, no, not at the moment, thank you. Oh, tell me, is there any news? Have you discovered anything? Yes, I've discovered quite a few things. That's why I thought it would be a good idea if we had a talk. By all means, but uh, tell me, please. Have you found out who murdered my daughter? I have my suspicions. I understand you saw Adrian Frost this evening. Why, why yes. Yes, he left uh, just a few moments ago. Did he ask to see you? Uh, no, on the contrary, I asked to see him. Why? I'm afraid you're going to be very annoyed with me. Why should I be annoyed? Because there's something I haven't told you. Uh-huh. Well, go on. Last night, I received a telephone call. A man's voice, a voice I didn't recognize, said, When you know why Frost gave your daughter the brooch, you'll know who murdered her. And before I could ask who the man was or what he meant, he rang off. Hmm. I was going to telephone you, but... You decided to see Mr. Frost yourself? Yes, I do hope you're not annoyed. No, I'm not annoyed, but you did ask me to investigate the case, and I can't really help you if you don't tell me everything. Yes, I know. I know I did the wrong thing. I apologize. What did you say to Frost? 
Oh, I was perfectly frank with him. I told him about the note I'd received and the telephone call. And what did he say? He said he knew about the note. You'd already mentioned it. And the telephone call? He couldn't account for that. Mm. What about the brooch? I didn't have to ask him about the brooch. I knew that he'd given her one because I found it in her dressing table. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why I sent for him. What do you mean? I gave the brooch back to Frost. Why? Well, it was worth a great deal of money, and I thought, well, since Mary was dead, it was better to return it. Did you ask him why he gave your daughter the brooch in the first place? No, uh, uh, no, I did not. Uh, look, I like Frost. In spite of the message I received and the telephone call, I don't think he murdered my daughter. No? No. On the contrary, I think he was in love with her. I see. Dreisler, the last time we met, I asked you about a gramophone record called My Heart and Harry. Yes? Why didn't you tell me the truth about that record? The truth? I don't quite understand. Why didn't you tell me about your visit to the Stardust Club? About Pete Roberts? Who told you about Pete Roberts? Terry Gibson? Yes. What has Roberts got to do with all this? Didn't you ask Roberts to make a record for you? Yes, I did. A record of My Heart and Harry? Is that what Terry Gibson told you? No, Roberts told me. But that's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Well, supposing you tell me your version of the story. What do you mean, my version? There's only one version. Well, can I have it? Look, about two months ago, when I was in London, I had a message from Terry Gibson. I used to know her in the old days when she was on the stage. She told me that she'd discovered a new singer. Well, I wasn't very optimistic. However, one night I called at the Stardust Club, and it didn't take me five minutes to realize that Terry was quite right. Peter Roberts was a real discovery. So, after his act, I talked with him and asked him to make a, a special recording for me. Why? I wanted to send the record to America to an associate of mine. I see. Now, go on. And he went down to a recording studio in Putney. Why Putney? Aren't there any recording studios in the West End? Yes, of course. But business is business. I happen to own the one in Putney. <laughs> Oh, I see. Anyway, to cut a long story short, the record was no good. In fact, I was told he was drunk and could hardly stand in front of the microphone. I see. After that, I made a few inquiries and discovered that Pete Roberts was completely unreliable, aggressive, and nearly always drunk. So, I decided to forget the whole business. When you saw Pete Roberts and asked him to make the record... Did you suggest that he should sing a particular song? No, I didn't. I told him to please himself. You definitely didn't ask him to sing My Heart and Hand. I did not. Why, is that what he told you? Yes. That's not true. Now, I wonder why he told you that. And why did he pick on that particular number? Hmm. I understand from Inspector Vosper that after your daughter died... You went to her flat and collected some of her things. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I see what you mean. No. No, Mr. Temple, there was no gramophone record, I assure you. Did you ever see the record? No, I didn't. In fact, I have no real proof that it exists. But, of course, I'm prepared to take Inspector Vosper's word for it that it does. Mm. Did your daughter leave any letters, diaries, notebooks, that kind of thing? No, I don't think so. I certainly didn't find any. All right, Mr. Dyser. Thank you very much. Not at all. Oh, there's just one other thing. Yes? Were you in London last October? Last October? Yes. 
Yes, yes, I was. On the 22nd? Uh, no, no, on the 22nd I was in Paris. I arrived in Paris on the 16th and flew back to Vienna on November the, or the 3rd or the 4th. I'm not sure which. Thank you. Why do you ask? Does the date October the 22nd mean anything to you? No. Should it? It was on October the 22nd that Frost gave your daughter the diamond brooch. Well? It was a diamond brooch, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, I thought so. Well, good night. Good night, Mr. Temple. Oh, good evening, Mr. Temple. Oh, Charlie. Now take your hat and coat, sir. Oh, thank you. There we are. Oh, by the way, what's that ladder doing downstairs, in the hall near the staircase? Oh, it belongs to the people in the flat below, sir. They're moving in on Saturday. Oh, I see. By the way, um, Mrs Temple's in the drawing room, sir. Well? With Sir Graham. With Sir Graham? Yes, sir. Well, how long's he been here? Since eight o'clock. Eight o'clock? Yes, sir. He came to dinner. He came to... <gasps> my Timothy. Yeah, you forgot. Oh, I certainly did. Uh, well, Mrs Temple's in the drawing room, sir. Oh, Lord. Sir Graham, I'm, I'm most terribly sorry. Oh, really? Quite all right. I, darling, I absolutely, utterly, completely forgot all about it. Of course you forgot all about it. It's been a most enjoyable evening anyway. Oh, thank you, <laughs> Sir Graham. But, Paul, where on earth have you been? You went out at five o'clock. Oh, I've been all over the place. I've seen Dreisler, Pete Roberts. Pete Roberts, the man Teddy Gibson told you about. That's right. Did Steve tell you about Teddy Gibson? Yes, we've just been talking about her. You don't deserve a drink, Paul, but you do look as if you need one. Would you like a whiskey and soda? Hi, Timothy, Yes. I had a message from Vosper this morning. You were right about Judy Milton. Ah, did Vosper do what I suggested? Yes, and we found it. It was fitted into a cupboard. Quite mm. an ingenious little weapon. It had a time switch and everything, just as you suspected. Good. I was beginning to get worried. What made you think of it? Well, curiously enough, it was something Charlie said about our fridge. Here's it... your drink, dear. Oh, thank you. Well, cheers, and again, I'm... Good luck. Sorry. Forget <laughs> it. Oh. You're forgiven. Delicious. Poor... Sir Graham's got something to tell you about Clutch Brompton. Oh, how is Clutch? He's in a pretty bad way, I'm afraid. Frankly, I don't think there's much hope. Oh, dear, I'm sorry to hear that. I suppose you haven't found the car yet, the one that ran him down. No, I'm afraid not. Mm. Has Vosper seen Clutch since the accident? Yes, he's seen him once or twice, but he won't talk to Vosper. He won't talk to any of us. He wants to see you, Paul. Yes, oh. one of the doctors phoned me and said he'd been asking for you. I'd like you to see him, Temple. Yes, by all means. I was hoping we might have gone along to the hospital this evening after dinner. Well, why not? There's still time. Paul, have you had anything to eat? Yes, darling, sandwiches. Masses and masses of sandwiches. <laughs> I just finished this drink, Sir Graham, and then I'm with you. Uh -huh. Oh, I promised I'd phone Vosper and let him know whether we we're going or not. No, oh, well, use the phone in the study. Right. Oh, and incidentally, would you ask Vosper to find out whether Mary Dreisler had a passport and the number of times she used it? Is it urgent? No, but I'd like to know. All right, Temple, I'll ask him. Darling, I'm sorry about tonight. And I really wondered what on earth had happened to you. What did you think of Pete Roberts? Oh, he's quite a character. Was he sober? No, I doubt whether he's ever completely sober. Is he good-looking? Mm, yes, I suppose you call him good-looking. Why? I wondered, that's all. What do you mean, you wondered? You must have had a reason for asking whether he was good-looking or not. Well, when Terry Gibson told us about him, I got the impression that she was probably in love with him. In love with him? Mm. Terry Gibson? Yes. Now, do you know, I never thought of that. You can't think of everything, darling. <laughs> Steve. Yes? I made one or two rather curious discoveries during the past two or three days, and, well, frankly, I'm worried. 
Yes, you look it. I was only saying to Sir Graham this evening, it's the first time that I've ever seen you really worried. I'm worried about you. Me? Oh, what do you mean? You know what happened to Mary Dreisler, to Judy Milton. But, Paul, they were involved in this business. I'm not, at least not in the same way. The person who murdered Mary Dreisler, the person behind this affair, call him Spencer, if you like, is pretty ruthless. He's not going to take any chances, Steve. Yes, but If Paul... by getting at you, he can force me out of this case, then he'll do it. Nonsense. You've been up against a pretty tough bunch before. Look, Paul. darling, I want you to take care. All right. Of course I will. If I telephone you at any time, just because it sounds like me, don't take it for granted that it is me. Fall back on that Charlie routine. You know, mm. the one we had while I was on the Gilbert case. Oh, yes, I say, where's Charlie fishing? Mm -hmm. And you say... In the Thames. If I don't say in the Thames... I shall assume that it isn't my excessively cautious husband. No, I'm serious, darling. All right, Paul. I shan't forget. Will you come this way, please, Mr. Temple? Oh, thank you, sister. I'll wait here for you, Temple. Yes, all right, sir. Well, here we are. Now, only stay a few moments, please. Yes, yes. Hello, Clutch. Who's that? It's Paul Temple. Oh, hello, Mr. Temple. I hear you want to see me. Yes, I, I've been asking for you. I'm glad you've come. How do you feel? Oh, a bit better tonight. I wanted to see you because... Uh, Mr. Temple, you remember the car that ran me down? Yes. I saw the driver. Yes, I know you did. It was a man called Lansdale. Eric Lansdale. The police have already got Lansdale. They picked him up last night. Did they? Yes, he was driving a taxi. He thought I had a gramophone record that... Go on, Clutch. Tell me about Lansdale. Oh, he's just a stooge. He'll do anything for money. But he won't talk, Mr. Temple, because... because he's frightened. He works for a man called Spencer. Spencer? That's the man you've got to find. Look, have you met Spencer? Do you know him? No, but I know all about it. Because... Oh. You're in pain, Clutch. Sister, I think... No, no. Wait. Please. Right. Temple. Listen. There's a bungalow on the river on an island near Henley. On an island? Yeah. It's called Salex Island. Salex Island. It's about five or six acres. Mm -hmm. Spencer bought the land about two years ago. That stretch of the river is always deserted in the winter. And that's why he... Oh, oh, Oh. I'm sorry, Mr. Temple. I must ask you to go now. Yes, yes, of course. Thank you, Clutch. I'll see you again. And good luck. Thank you for coming. Oh, no, that, that's all right. No, don't bother, sister. I can find my own way out. Charlie? I was wondering if I'd left any glasses in here. Oh, yes, there are two on the table over there, look. Oh, yes. Oh, don't bother with them tonight, Charlie. You'll get to bed. I can see to the glasses. No, that's all right, Mrs. Temple. I can easily cope with them. Shall I take it? Yes, please, Charlie. Hello? Hello? 
Who's that? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Temple. It's Mr. Temple. Right. <laughs> Didn't recognise his voice. Hello, Paul. Steve, I'm at the North London Hospital. I've just seen Clutch Brompton. Now, listen, darling, I want you to get the car out and come down here straight away. What, now? Yes, I'll tell you all about it when I... I say, this is a terrible line. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You want me to get the car and pick you up straight away? That's right, and I'll be waiting for you in the main entrance. Oh, and Steve... Hmm? Pack a suitcase and tell Charlie we're going to be out of town for two or three days. Oh? Where are we going, Paul? I'll tell you when I see you, dear. Yes, all right. I'll be with you as soon as I can. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Haven't you forgotten something? Oh, good Lord, yes. By George, Steve, you really are the limit. Where's Charlie fishing? In the Thames. I'll be with you in about 20 minutes. Charlie, will you go into the box room and get me a suitcase, one of the leather ones? Yes, Mrs. Semple. And when you've done that, go down to the garage and fetch the car, please. Okie dokie. We shall probably be away for two or three days. <laughs> oh, no, what are you grinning at? Uh, as Mr. Temple would say, bye, Timothy, never a dull moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. What is it, Mrs. Temple? That's exactly what he didn't say. What do you mean? He said, by George, not by Timothy. By George, Steve, you really are the limit. Oh. <laughs> That doesn't sound like Mr. Temple. No, but it was. It must have been because I said... Oh, well, it must have been. Well, I'll get the suitcase. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got a funny feeling about that phone call. Sort of intuition. Well, you know what Mr. T thinks about your intuitions. Never mind about what Mr. T thinks. Get the phone book and look up the North London Hospital. I'm ringing back. Okay. North London... I've never heard of Salix Island, Temple. You say it's near Henley? Well, that's what he said. I believe it's not far from Belton's Lock. Mm, I'll get the Maidenhead people onto this straight away. No, please don't do that, Sir Graham. What I'd like you to do is this. Ask Vosper to make a few discreet inquiries. Tell him to find out who the land belongs to and whether the bungalow's occupied. Mm -hmm. And once I've got some definite information, I'll go down there and take a quiet look at the place. Right. Well, I, I suppose we'd better be making a move. Expect the sister wants to use her office. Yes. You needn't run me back to the flat, Sir Graham. You know, this is a curious business, Temple. When I first heard about the Dreisler murder, I was firmly convinced it was the conventional murder case. Love, motivation, jealousy, you know the kind of thing. Now, I don't think so. No? No, I think Mary Dreisler was mixed up in something bigger than that. Something much bigger. And you think the fact that she was a drama student... Was just a coincidence. Yes, I agree with you, Sir Graham. On the other hand, we mustn't lose sight of the fact that... Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry, sister. Did you think we were never going? No, no, don't let me disturb you. But there's a telephone call for Mr. Temple. For me? Yes, I've asked them to put it through here. Oh. Is this Mr. Temple's call? Yes, one moment, please. Here you are, sir. Oh, thank you. Hello? Hello? I is that you, Paul? Oh, hello, Steve. You are expecting me, aren't you? Uh, expecting you? Yes, at the hospital. Why, no. Didn't you telephone me about five minutes ago? No, of course I didn't. Steve, what happened? Tell me exactly what happened. Is Steve all right? Yes, yes, she's all right. Good. Go on, Steve. Well, I had a phone call, and it sounded exactly like you. You said, pack a suitcase, get the car, and meet me at the hospital. But, Steve, didn't you do what I told you? Yes, but that's the extraordinary thing. I did. I said, where's Charlie fishing? And you said, at least the voice said, in the Thames. All right. Now, listen, Steve, don't leave the flat, and don't answer the door. I'll be with you in 15 minutes.
whichever way you look at it, Sir Graham, Steve was lucky, very lucky. I agree, Temple. But the point is, how the devil did he know what to say when Steve said Look, to... I wish you wouldn't keep on talking about me as if I weren't here. <laughs> and why do you both keep on saying I was lucky? It was intuition. That was pure intuition. You and your intuition. If you hadn't suddenly decided to ring the hospital... But that was intuition. <laughs> all right, Steve, all right. Anyway, whatever it was, I'm all for it. Paul, do you think that they meant to pick me up? Yes, I should imagine so. Unless... Unless what? Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Temple? The car? Yes. What about the car? Where do you keep your car, Temple? In a garage in Sloan Mews. It's a large garage. They do a lot of repair work. Come on, Sir Graham. We'll go down there and have a word with them. Don't leave the flat, Steve. We'll be back in about ten minutes. Yes, yes, all right, Paul. Oh, good evening, Tom. Hello, Mr. Temple. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Working late tonight, Tom? Yes, this is supposed to be out by ten o'clock tomorrow morning. You wouldn't think so to look at it, would you? <laughs> no, you certainly wouldn't. It's a Fred Carno job, this, and no mistake. <laughs> Tom, has anyone called this evening to look at my car? Yes, a gentleman called just after you brought it in, Mr. Temple. I'm surprised you're thinking of changing it, sir. It's the last thing I'd do if it were mine. Is that what he said, that I was thinking of changing it? Why, yes. That's why I wanted to have a look at it. What did he say exactly? Well... He asked me which was Mr. Temple's car. Uh -huh. He said he wanted to have a look at it because there was some talk of a part exchange. Did he look at it? Yes, he had the bonnet up and everything, so I left him to get on with it, sir. What was he like, this man? Oh, about 30. Pleasant enough. Bit of a fancy dresser, Barclay Square type, I suppose. Had he anything with him? What do you mean, sir? Well, did he carry anything, a briefcase or a... Yeah, yes, he had an attache case. I hope I did the right thing, Mr. Temple. He looked respectable enough and... He said he only wanted to have a look at the car. Yes, yes, that's all right, Tom. Where is the car? It's in Bay 22 on the second floor, sir. I had to put it up there because we were rather busy down here. What? Good Lord, what was Wait, that? That's great, Scott, that was near here. You're covered in plaster, sir. Holy mackerel, just look at the ceiling. Was it in the boiler room, do you think? No, it wasn't the boiler room, Tom. Come on, let's go upstairs. that wall. Mr. Temple, look at your car. I am looking at it. Is that your car, Temple? Yeah, it was. By Timothy, Sir Graham, we can laugh at Steve's intuition, but she might have been driving that car. Steve, we're back. Go into the drawing room, Sir Graham. I'll join you in a moment. Do you mind if I help myself to a drink? No, 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 I was just going to suggest it. Have a large whiskey and soda. I'm not so sure about the soda just at the moment. <laughs> Steve! Steve, darling, we're back. I've taken you to your word and helped myself to the largest whisk. Temple, what is it? What's happened? I've been all over the flats, Graham. Charlie isn't here, and there's no sign of Steve. That was the fourth episode of the Francis Durbridge serial, Paul Temple and the Spencer Affair, with Peter Cook as Paul Temple, Marjorie Westbury as Steve, James Beatty as Charlie, and Brewster Mason as Rupert Dreisler. Production for the BBC was by Martin C. Webster.